0: All right, I'm going to start this shit. Cool. Cool. Uh, yeah, go for it. All right. <laughs> what? No.
1: <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 343 of Potato Thumbs Podcast. I am Fluffy Fingers MD, and this week we are sponsored by Learning Stuff. That's right, Learning Stuff. It's great because it makes you less stupid and new things enter your brain and maybe are retained. And we would like to thank Learning Stuff for sponsoring this episode. Hopefully they also learn stuff while listening today. I want you to learn stuff. That's why we do this education. Woo. All right, play that intro music. <laughs>
2: But the whole <laughs> so, uh,
3: episode, in honor pictured- of episode three hundred and forty-three, we're going to be discussing Halo all night long.
4: <laughs>
1: Pivot. <laughs> um, well, that wasn't actually our intro music. That was a song um, by a indie rock band that not a lot of people know, and we're going to be diving into their music tonight. Ah, uh, that's it's, right. It's
3: actually it's, it's a shirt company. They make shirts, and then they just started a band. <laughs>
1: they do. They make. They actually started as a shirt company, and so many people were wearing their shirts yeah. and asking if they they could name a song. And they're like, "Well, we don't have any songs." So then they started making songs so that mm-hmm. people could be like, "Name a song."
5: Well, they um, got that. They got that target money and old navy <laughs> money. <you> know,
1: <laughs> so that's how they're
5: able to produce it. The, <laughs> the lead <laughs>
3: They're like, fucking. let's just go ahead and put a picture of a naked baby in a swimming pool with this fucking dong out, you know,
1: <laughs>
3: the album cover. just because
1: if, if they're known for anything. It's for marketing and feeding the machine
3: and naked babies,
1: <laughs> naked babies and naked babies um, <laughs> and making Weird Al more popular um, because smells like teen spirit was amazing. Okay. Uh, yeah, we have a music episode, so that means that on deck we got Admiral Nips. Hello. We got our man, Cliff Spab. (laughs) Hey, what's going on? (laughs) I'm so so close to using your real name.
0: And we got a boy Chuck Likes Pizza.
3: It's Martin Charles.
0: Oh, (laughs) shit.
1: All right. Good. Chuck's going in hard tonight. Um, Well, hi. Hi, boys. I'm excited. Not only because we're doing a music episode, but because
6: you're on the show. Hell yeah. I did notice that this week they retired Shaq's number in uh, Orlando, and I thought back to the time that you gave out my telephone number in uh, (laughs) in (laughs) basketball and football player numbers over (laughs) at
0: the the show. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> that's one of the really better funny. bits. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> oh
1: shit. Um. Well, yeah. We're gonna we're doing a music episode. We're gonna we're gonna talk about Nirvana. Um. And that's gonna be fun. And I'm excited. And uh, this was not my pick. And uh, it should be a good conversation. Um. Let me get some. Uh, let me get some some community stuff out of the way, and then maybe we dive into music. Works for me. Okay. Real quick. um, We are hosting, myself and Native Raider, hosting Blueberry Lounge Trivia Night again. That will be Sunday, February 25th. That is 7 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Pacific. Uh, There are a couple spots still open. Please DM me or Native Raider if you're interested. Come hang out. It should be a fun time. Uh, He always puts together a great show, and I always have fun being an asshole uh, co-host. Um so yeah, uh hit us up. Um that is coming up soon. As well, our friends in the Space Mafia Discord have the Destiny 2 Space Mafia Olympics going on. That will be Crucible, Gambit, Raids, Dungeon, the whole month of March. Teams of Six will compete in those four things for awesomeness. Uh it should be fun. Those dudes are great. They put on a good show, they have like they really, really put some time into it. So uh, if you're not in the Space Mafia Discord, hit me up. Hit uh, Trash Panda up in our Discord. Get an invite. Uh, they have a whole list of rules. It looks like it's going to be a ton of fun. If that's your thing, it's a great way to um, to just keep keep playing in March. And also, like with the weapon changes coming in March, like there's going to be a whole lot of different things going on. So it's kind of cool that that's coming because the entire meta is shifting hard in March. Um... Speaking of Space Mafia, they started a new podcast, DPS, Dudes Playing Stuff podcast. Uh, Episode three was released this week. It is absolutely fantastic. Uh, So check that out as well. And last but not least, uh, we are going to be doing a Minnesota meetup in March. Uh, So if you're in Minnesota, Twin Cities area, uh, hit me up. We have a channel in the Discord. We're going to meet up and grab some beers and um, be dorks. So come be dorks with us. Cool. Um, Sweet. When is Hamfest? Oh, that's a great question.
0: Uh, I believe
6: it will be sometime this summer. Um, I don't know the exact dates, but I would imagine it would be probably around the 1st of July. I can check with the Hamfest organizers in the near future to figure out Mm. what those dates might be. Are you coming up to the Midwest,
1: potentially?
0: I mean, if there's ham involved, perhaps. Ooh, my friend. That would be amazing. It kills me that I have to see all of my friends on the
6: celebration of such a garbage tier meat. Um, <laughs> like no,
5: no comment. <laughs> no, it is sweet.
3: That's, that's what's great. It's, it's a little spit sweet. That's what makes it good. Sweet, salty, and delicious.
1: Oh no. Hard pass. I mean, not hard pass. I'll eat it, but... I just enjoy going and drinking beer with friends. I actually don't think I had any ham last time I went. You didn't.
6: (laughs) You and Nessie both chickened out of actually eating the food and then realized, as Bryce was putting leftovers away, that you hadn't eaten anything and were too worried to ask him to grab a plate. Uh, I don't believe we were too worried. I just believe we were really, really stoned. I mean... That was what I was, you know, hinting around without oh, actually saying
0: worried. It. Sorry, we were worried. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Damn, edibles <laughs> making me worried all the time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh shit. Okay. <laughs> time to get worried. <laughs> <laughs> um cool. Well that, that happened. Um and now should we talk about music? Let's mm-hmm. do it. Okay, uh, Cliff, this is your pick, right? Uh, yeah. So, what are we talking about? Um, all right. So,
5: let's see. So, thirty years ago, t- thirty shit. years ago t- today, actually. It wasn't no, today. Yeah. no yeah, way. way. But it is thirty years I mean, ago. Thirty years ago, um. <clears throat> So there's this band uh, called Nirvana. It was the like a grunge guys. band. I don't know. Yeah, you've probably seen the t-shirts. Um, pretty great t-shirts. Uh, so anyway, they had like a couple albums and then they kind of, who knows what happened. But um, they, uh, they kind of came on, they blew up, they became this real big band in the early 90s. And then they were invited to do an um, MTV series called Unplugged, which was... Which was a series where like popular bands would come on and uh, basically play their sets that they would do, but with instr- with uh, acoustic instruments. And I didn't realize you know Unplugged is like still going on. I think or like really been on for like twenty years. Because yeah, I looked up, I'm like, well, how Because I figured it was around for a few years. And I, I kind of remember it. I don't remember it much after that. But it, there was like twenty years of MTV Unplugged episodes. So whoa, um, most of them are pretty are pretty bad. <laughs> it's like because it's like uh, they most of these bands need these effect pedals and stuff, you know?
1: But, um, <laughs> I mean, I definitely,
5: without a doubt, think that this is the most famous unplugged
1: album ever to come out yeah. of the series, right? Well, and it,
5: Yeah. It, it, they had only started a few years before this and um, they, when they went into it. Uh, so, okay. So Nirvana is Kurt Cobain, right? Chris Novoselic on bass. And then uh, a young Dave Grohl, a young and handsome Dave Grohl on drums. Uh, and when, when they went into this, they, I guess had seen other bands do it and they're like, and they were like, Oh, these guys kind of, like these these acoustic things kind of suck. They just play their usual, like, like set list and just with acoustic guitars. And it's usually not very good. And so they wanted to do something different, um, which I think is why this album became uh, so popular. Cause it really was like a, a bit of a, a change from what people were used to with this band. So they had basically they had one album. So let me step back. So they had three albums when this came out. Their first album, Bleach, like no one had ever heard of. And it was like a real hardcore, like sort of punkish type band album. And then they had their follow-up, like major label release, which was uh, Nevermind. which was like exp- It was the biggest album in the world yep. for like a couple years, right? It smells Like Teen Spirit was like the hot, the, yep. the huge single. And it was also yeah. like, oh, they sold out. and They made this more pop-centered album and less like, like heavy metal, right? So that's that album. And then they had a third album in utero which came out a month before they recorded this. They were really coming off Nevermind was the album that was like everybody knew about. And so obviously when they went into this, they didn't play any of their hits. They didn't invite any famous stars. They invited people no one had ever heard of to guest, Like all the things MTV got, like apparently MTV was like super pissed at them when they went in. Like all the rehearsals were really contentious um, because they wouldn't play Smells Like Teen Spirit. (laughs) <laughs> and, like, and, then, and then they're like no it's cool we're going to bring some guests in and they're like oh you're going to get like I don't know like Tori Amos or, or uh, you know you're going to get um, guys from Pearl Jam and they're like no no, no we're going to get the meat puppets <laughs> like, they're like the who? they're like the meat puppets they're great don't worry like, so, um, so they did a lot of stuff kind of different um, the other thing they did is they actually didn't just go acoustic they brought in effect pedals and electrification so they actually are using, like, electrical stuff. even though it's, like, acoustic guitars. So to get certain sounds. Um, as well as they have, like, a harpist that they toured with and a couple of rhythm guitarists and stuff. Uh, but this is, anyway, that's part of the reason this thing exploded is because it was just, you know, half it, it was, like, Kirk Cobain was famous for, no one could understand his lyrics or what he was saying, but they sounded great. Yeah. And then in this album, he comes out, and he's like, oh, my God, first he could actually play guitar really. And second, he can actually like sing and we can kind of understand him. Um, Coupled with playing a whole bunch of his like B side tracks and tracks no one had ever heard of and covering a bunch of things. And then the third reason it exploded is because five months or so after this. So this was recorded in like November of 93. And then he killed himself or died in the following April. And then this was released like five months after that. So this actually came out after the fact, and around when he killed himself, they had MTV basically played this whole concert on a loop for like weeks. So it just became this, it was like this crazy amalgam of all these things happening at the same time. Um, and it was like a big deal. Like I remember like I was in pre-algebra when we found out like Kurt Cobain died and it was like, I remember cause our teacher said something mean about like, ah, like who cares about that guy? And everyone was all upset. But, um, so it was well, like a, it was a big deal. He was like a, they were like the biggest stars around when it happened. And it was just the end of the band you know? Um, yeah. So all that well, stuff, and you, together. you
1: paused, you paused on like killed himself, right? Because there's like a whole, whole list of like theories and things. Like some people think maybe his wife did it. They're like, some people Ooh. think the industry did it. And well, we
5: can get into it. I, I, I have, a uh, some notes on, uh, conspiracy. Yeah. Things, yeah. If you get yeah. It well, maybe we'll hold that off to the end. Okay. Um okay. Because because they get pretty wild. Um, well, really, there's just one conspiracy theory that I I personally like. We can talk about. But we'll talk about it at the end if, if there's if there's time. Okay. <laughs> um, you talk about the Twenty Seven Club. Uh oh yeah, and he was also twenty seven, right? When he died, which is uh was like that's when all the cool rock stars die. Um, oh really? Looking at you, yeah. Mama Cass. Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, was Amy Winehouse, uh, twenty seven as well. Yeah, Jim I think Amy Winehouse. Maybe I asked Jim Morrison, house. yeah. It's Jesus like the Yeah, I remember I remember when I turned 28, I was like, yeah. <laughs> Guess I'm not that cool, you know? I was like, um, when I hit 26, I'm
6: like, well, I haven't accomplished nearly enough in my life to be worried about it. <laughs> um you may have killed Fluffy with your 28 joke as well. He's <laughs> still yeah. struggling over to the side. <laughs> the downside of
1: being sick and having funny friends um okay anyways
5: yeah so um so that's sort of the backstory and it's kind of like all that stuff came into like and it's also like like it's probably their best album it's also the only album that ever won a granny for them, which happened in the 1996 like two years after it was released but <laughs> I don't know how that works but that's what happened um and oh, uh people take the grammy seriously <laughs> See, I, I still can't believe what's his face got arrested at the Grammys this year. How funny! Like Killer dude, Mike, yeah, Killer Mike. Yeah, it was just like, dude. Like I saw him getting. He was like they're like call him away, and he's just like, like what is this really happening to me? I just won. <laughs>
6: Win know. two Grammys and get walk on handcuffs. Yeah. You won three. You won, you won three. Won three.
5: <laughs> dude. Yeah. It was like, come on, man. And I guess it was nothing. It was like I always, I don't know. But um, anyway. Whatever. We'll talk about Killer Mike another time. Um, All right. So, I guess we can get kind of get into it. Uh, As far as like the discussion, I I mean, we can like talk about lyrics and stuff. Um, I will say that uh, the way Nirvana writes their songs, um, it's uh, they start with the music. And then essentially, what happens is Kurt Cobain had a book of poetry and they would just kind of like randomly pull lines together that sounded cool to make a song. Um for the most part. Although he did write certain songs about certain people and stuff like that, but a lot of it's like it's like little be, little snippets here and there. So it's almost like a little collage of like his little poetry poetic like uh lines that sort of fit with the music. Um, well six of
6: the songs on this are covers, right? On this album.
5: Yeah, yeah. Well that's the other yeah. And then there's a bunch of covers. Those are pretty fun. I, I had some fun, fun time looking up some of the the background on them. Um so anyway, so the, the album, so the whole thing's live. Um I actually hate, they kind of like would, on my service, they sort of break between the tracks, which is kind of frustrating because it's meant to be played straight through. Uh, There's no breaks. It's just they hear audience noise and there's abandonment stuff. Um, And it starts off with a song called About a Girl, which actually came off their original album, uh, Bleach. when he starts off by saying oh, this is from our first album he's like no one here owns it <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> and so th- that's his first song it's a song like no one's ever heard
6: yeah if you had told me that it was on another album I would have never known it <laughs> as well with a lot of these right on this album it's like this is the version of the song I know like I yeah. don't know the other versions I would say that this
1: album contains the best version of any of the songs that they've made, right? Like that's my
5: opinion. Yeah, the best singing like, the best music. It's it was yeah. just funny because they were like a real like, I mean they were a real like kind of heavy band in a lot of ways with a lot of. They're not like they don't usually all their other albums don't sound like this except maybe *In Utero*. They're the one they recorded right before this one is probably like their best like studio album, and that one's a little bit like this where they feel like they kind of like. Um, I think they like just got better. Like they learned they got a bunch of money and they probably like actually like studied up and learned how to play a little bit better and like had some better production and things like that. Um, Cause they definitely, their albums like their, their quality of them improves. Um, although I still like bleach is a really good album. It's just like a, a rough punk album kind of is the way to think of it.
1: Yeah. Well, and um, there was, there was way more than just those
5: three albums too. Like, those are well, the three
1: major albums, but man, there's so many Nirvana albums out there.
5: Well, yeah. So they recorded, they're like sublime, right? They, re, they yeah. recorded three albums. They have this live recording. They were recording a fourth album that didn't get finished, but like, or like Tupac also, right? But like, there's probably another like seven albums that have somehow yeah. <laughs> cobbled together out of like stuff they'd recorded. And like, um, there was some Europe stuff too. Like, cause my, my buddy was oh, yeah. really
1: into Nirvana well, think- and like, I remember the Euro albums were, like, a really big deal that came out, and, yeah,
5: so... Because people were just, I mean, they, it was literally, like, it came to an end, and like, they were at their peak, they literally, this was probably, like, their peak, this recording, and it ended four months later, so it was, like, you know, you know, talk about, like, better to burn out than to fade away, I think that's, like, this is, like, the quintessential example. Um, I mean, anyway. and luckily, they started
1: Foo Fighters instead of, like, doing what Sublime did and doing the whole Sublime Rome shit, and there's you know, oh, yeah. tanking that off the fucking end of the earth.
5: Well, they, they tried, like, so Chris Neveselic, so they had, like, kind of, like, Kurt and Chris Neveselic like, was the, he's the bassist, and he did, he was in some other bands, but he didn't do a, a whole lot. Um, they were, like, really good friends growing up, like, from little kids, and then they met Dave Grohl, like, later on, but they kind of all roomed together and stuff, and, like, in the 80s and things like that, so they had kind of known each other for a long time, and after he died, they were, like, they tried to finish the album, and they were, like, we just, it's too depressing, we just can't do it. Um, and then that's when after that they sort of just like abandoned it and it got turned into Like insecticide it was like whatever was left over. Someone pieced it together. And then this was released that fall, uh, instead of their fourth album, they released this, uh, live album. Um, but so it's fine. So this first song about a girl, it was, uh, I've, so it was written in 1988 is when Kurt wrote it. And it's actually about his girlfriend at the time, whose name was uh, Tracy Miranda. Um, so, this is the t- description uh, that I, I found. It's the, the lyrics address the couple's fractured relationship, which was caused by Cobain's refusal to get a job or share cleaning duties at the apartment, which housed many of his pets.
4: <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and apparently they would get in fights all the time, and then Cobain would threaten to, to go move out, live on the streets, and then she would relent and let him come back in. And so he wrote, that's what he wrote the songs about that relationship, which I was like, great. Yeah. Cause he's <laughs> kind of, if you like look at all the book biographies that have come out later about Kurt Cobain, like he is kind of like, he seems like he would be just a, like a, a handle, like a lot to handle if you were like friends with him. Um, but anyway,
3: um, He's like, what do you mean my dog can't shit on the floor? What the fuck?
6: <laughs> yeah. And listen, well, like, if I, it does, I'm not cleaning it up. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: listen, I got to go party and do heroin. You deal with it. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of how it went. <laughs> but he's like, you know, I take advantage while like, you hang me out to dry, but I can't see you every night. You know, stuff like that. It's pretty obvious. He's like, um, he's literally like, I take advantage. That's the song. Um, yeah, so the relationship didn't last,
0: I think. Um, oh, cool. So I don't know if you guys... So I don't have a lot You know, for each of these songs. I don't have a ton. So, like... Um, okay.
1: I really love this album because I did... Like, this was when I was, like, glued to MTV. Like, when this came out, like, I was fucking watching... I was just... I was that kid. I was at that age, man. I just wanted to watch MTV all day, every day. And I... I was into this type of music. Like it was, it was, it was uh, like this rock and it was punk and ska. And that's all I listened to, right? And Nirvana was huge because my best friend was a big Nirvana person. So, like, I own this album and I've heard all of these songs over and over and over again, like a thousand fucking times. So I found it really hard to, like, take notes because I would just listen to the music. Like, I just, I just, I don't know. There's something about just, hearing it so many times you know it makes it harder to, to sit back mm-hmm. or i found myself that way so um like all my notes were just stupid and worthless like god i really love this song or you know <laughs> i like when he does this or the chorus sounds you know it's all like so generic but it, it i really love it all you know like so it's mm-hmm. problematic almost
3: yeah um i like the bridge the little guitar solo pretty, pretty cool but um I remember um when I was in school in my uh, music history class they actually talked about this album and it's like known as one of the best live album recordings like ever. You know like obviously most albums are recorded live in a studio but like like for an audience like live recording it's like sets a bar as far as like sound quality goes and you can definitely tell like it's it's great.
5: So the, the venue Great. is, um it, it's like a real small venue. Like there's not a lot of people there. Like if you ever do get the chance to see it and it's, you know, it's like, it's, I think it was um the decoration was supposed to be like a uh, funeral style, but so you wanted it to look like. So it's a lot of candles and things. And he's like in big puffy chairs. and Like, it's very like comfortable, but, and it's also just a really small venue. So I think that's part of why they were able to record such a good, um, or do such a good job. It wasn't like a big theater or like, you know, an open air stadium or anything like that. They're recording it. Um, and it was recorded for TV as much as yeah. it was like the audience. I'm willing to bet no one bought tickets to the show. They probably were like cousins of the guy who ran the record company and stuff um, and friends of the band, things like that. Um, guy, Can you imagine being one of those few people that got <laughs> oh, to dude. witness that, dude? Oh, How cool would that have been? I wonder if you could have right? bought tickets. I never even thought of it. I always assumed it was like just people in the know that got to go. Um, cause it really was a unplugged was a TV show. It's the way I yeah. think of it. Yeah, It's like a live TV show is the way they kind of handled it. Um, um, and they did such a good job with just, I mean, it's acoustic, but they throw in, you know, the, the instruments are electrified still. It's acoustic, but electric acoustic. And they do a good job with, um, although on the song, I don't think they use any effects, No, but they do a really Not good job ones. with like effects pedals and stuff. And, and, um, and then also Kurt's voice is kind of like he is n- was not known as a singer before this album. He was just kind of like a screamer kind of guy. Uh, but he really like, like tore it up on this singing. I mean, I really love his, it's very raspy. His singing style is, is really rough. He apparently like he, like he couldn't go for a long time because he would just kind of kill his voice and stuff. Yeah. Cause you he's know, not. On some
6: of those ones, not this one, but on some mm-hmm. of the songs later, he, he forces himself up in an octave and I'm just like, I can't imagine he's shredding his vocal cords there.
5: Oh, uh, yeah. He, so he was like known for just like blowing himself out and then he like couldn't play again for a day or two or something. Um, but you know, he wasn't like trained to sing. He just kind of would get up there and yell and, uh, and it, but it sounds great. I don't know. I, I like the, there's like a real raspy timbre to his voice yeah. that I kind of like. Yeah. Well,
1: and he really sets the mood for the album with this song. Like, absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like this is, you, you hear this and this is what you're
5: getting. It's this on just different scales yeah. the whole way through and a song no one had like ever heard before, you know, yeah. like no one watching this. Like, not, <laughs> like when we first saw this, we're like, I don't know whose song this is. So you just like goes into which it, which is uh, hilarious because you can
1: play any of these songs now and people know them because it's oh, yeah. such a big album. So yeah, it's yeah, yeah. funny because like at that time, maybe that was the case. But like now it's like this is the, uh, probably totally. the most known version of all of these songs.
5: Oh, for sure, for sure. That's why. See, and I didn't so, know that
3: this song was like on an on an old album that people didn't actually pay attention to. You know what I mean? Like I've heard the songs. Like, oh, okay, this song. And then you tell me that nobody knew it
5: beforehand. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. And the <laughs> and the older recording is like, you know, it's like a crappy, like like you know, in someone's back room, you know, with like crappy instruments, not tuned. So it's like <laughs> it's a very, the Misfits Recording Studio. Misfits Recording Studio. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Inside a deep um,
3: freezer, inside of a garage. Yeah,
5: it's funny they picked, so there's some other good songs that they could have picked from uh, from Bleach. To because I think this is the only one from Bleach. Is uh, there's uh, Floyd the Barber is another song, and then one called Love Buzz where it's just like I want to give you my love buzz. That's the chorus. <laughs> I thought that'd have been funny if they would played that, but but um, I, this is probably a good choice.
6: I peeked Uh-oh. over at bleach and just look at the plays on Spotify and yeah. uh, about a girl has like 335 million plays. And then love buzz is the next highest with less than a hundred million. And like both yeah. of them are in the 22 to 50 million yeah. range. It's just like, it's a it big because of MTV. Uh, oh, yeah, Unplugged.
5: Yeah. <laughs> oh, That's totally. Funny. Well, people are probably trying to play it and then they play the wrong one. And they're like, what is this shit? Like, I'm on the bet. And they quick switch back. Um, anyway, so then they, so after about a girl, they go into, they play come as you are, which is off nevermind. And this is like the biggest song of all the ones they play. This is the only like kind of hit song. I think it was the only one that was like a single off their last album. Um, and it really blends itself well to the acoustic kind of rendition because it is like a slower melodic song. Yeah. And it, um, it's both versions of the song are good
1: too. Like the live version is good, but the nevermind, nevermind version of the song is also good.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a great, it's a real good one. And I remember I was reading about when they first played it, apparently before they'd released nevermind. Um, and apparently like the, like the audience is going crazy and stuff like that. And they're like mosh or whatever. And then they played this song and everyone was like, <laughs> like everyone stopped because like, they loved the song. but They like couldn't believe that Nirvana was playing it because it sounds <laughs> so different from their older stuff. Um, Uh, The song itself, like, so people are like, oh, what's it about? It's about this or that. And um, some funny things are he has like a, uh, you know, there's a lyric. It's like come doused in mud and soaked in bleach. And that's basically uh, a slogan from Seattle's HIV prevention campaign, which um, was uh, if you're using needles for for heroin and they're soaked in mud, doused in bleach. That was it. That was like a public health message at the time because everybody in Seattle at this time was on heroin. Um, or in the late eighties, they all were addicted to heroin. I think like everybody, um, at least every in musical city. <laughs> every person with a guitar was addicted to heroin in Seattle in like nineteen eighty eight. I swear to God,
1: <laughs> it was a big like, thing. <laughs> I mean, that's what took out Bradley
5: Noel <laughs> from Sublime too. Oh uh, yeah, like it, and, it it, was... and a ton of guys or messed him up or whatever. You know, it was like it was anyway. <laughs> but yeah, so I thought not like any of uh, those
6: Soundgarden guys were clean either, <laughs> or yeah, the well, yeah.
5: guys. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't just Seattle, I guess. It yeah, was, okay, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> many other cities
1: also. But. Rock scene. The rock scene heroin was really big. Maybe that's a better way yeah. to say it. I mean, on I mean, this
5: stage, almost everybody was on heroin.
1: Yeah, I mean, dude, oh, this, Sublime, yeah. one of my favorite Sublime songs, uh, Pool Shark, is just about him doing yeah. heroin.
0: Yeah. Um.
5: But yeah, so anyway, and, you know, Kirkman, when he, they asked him about his lyrics i think he was people would ask about well, what's the song about and he'd always give different answers because i think he just didn't really know he would just like make stuff up um that's one thing i kind of noticed um but he just said this like, what did he say that you know he just said this song is about um like you know how people are just expected to act a certain way but then they don't or like all these contradictions like he has a lines like take your time hurry up choice is yours just don't be late right and it's just like you know this song they uh you, you can tell that
3: the uh, it's not entirely acoustic like it's an acoustic guitar but it's plugged into an amp they have like a reverb like a flanging effect and the uh the bass is also not acoustic there's a it's kind of like a growly traditional bass guitar
2: Come down the mud, There's a friend is unknown.
3: Reading up on it earlier, they were saying that uh, like Dave Grohl had never played with uh, brushes before this recording. And oh, he really? just kind of learned on the fly, like how to drum <laughs> softly, because he's known as like the dude who just fucking pounds the shit out of the drums, and like he had to play more gently. Um, throughout the album, I think what they do really well is um, their ability to um, use volume in terms of like emphasis like there, there, there are times where like collectively they play like more softly and kirkobank sings more softly like almost like whispering and mumbling and then other times like they they pick up the intensity and they really like start to get into it but it's still like acoustic so they can't they get they, they have like limits to how loud they can go but they definitely play with that that space that like that volume space like and making things more intimate or more intense like whatever they're going for based
5: on the uh, music. I think it's pretty cool. So next up, the third song uh, is their first cover. Um, And it's Jesus Doesn't Want Me for a Sunbeam, which is a cover of this um, Scottish duo called the Vaselines that they met when they were touring Europe. And they actually had them um, open for them in Edinburgh. And apparently they're like a... They're just sort of like a folky kind of punky, folky a uh, duo from Scotland that's like really well known there, but not anywhere else in the world.
4: <laughs> awesome. So,
5: um, yeah, so like nobody knew who they were or whatever, and they had—I guess he met him, and I guess that's where he learned the song from them while they were like opening for them there. Um, I actually think they had broken up, and for whatever reason, they when they got there, like, oh, we want you to open for us, and they got back together just to just to open for him on the tour, and then they broke up again, I think. But um, so it's probably like they got some good, good money out of it. And he starts off, he's like, oh, yeah, this is an old uh, Christian song or something. But, you know, we do it the Vaseline's way. So the funny thing about that is it's a parody of an old Christian song. Um, There's an old Christian hymn from 1900 um, by Edwin Exel, which is called Jesus Wants Me for a Sunbeam. And it's like, you know, to shine for him every day and every way I try to please him And at home I obey. It's like this whole like really like. And so their whole song is Jesus doesn't want me for a sunbeam. I'm not going to die for it. I'm not going to do what you say. Like the exact opposite. Awesome. of the original song. So it's just funny. He's like, yeah, we do it. The Vaseline's way, which is just like the, it's a total parody of the original. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, which I thought was pretty funny. Cause I was always like, oh, it's an old song, but it's, it seems like you wouldn't, this wouldn't be an old religious song. It's kind of odd.
3: Yeah, it's, um, like, it, it's, it's like, it's not. get
5: burned at the stake times. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's a real like a um, real subtle dig at, at a lot of stuff, which I kind of really appreciate. Um, I mean that was Jesus very Nirvana
1: play. though, right? Like they're very anti-establishment, like oh yeah,
5: anti mainstream, and, and in a lot of ways and stuff. Um, they have a famous. Do you ever see their video? It's when they played Top of the Pops in England. I uh, will mm. have to put it. All, I'll show you on YouTube. It's so they were when they were doing their Nirvana tour. They the Top of the Pops is like whatever, like, you know, just your top forty like MTV show, and they um. So they're like, oh yeah, come play for us. It'll be like in a studio, and and they get there and they're like, okay, like we just do lips. Like we're gonna play your song from your album, and you're just gonna like pretend to play and lip sync. And they're like, we don't we don't want to do that. We just want to really play. They're like, no no no, we have to do it this way. It's TV. And finally, they got it. So okay, we'll just do the instruments, but like, and Kurt can sing, and but we'll do the instruments are not plugged in, and they're like, or not, but just pretend to play so it looks good. (laughs) And so they um, come out, and Kurt sings. Totally, it's he sings like it's an old lounge singer singing the song, and he plays like this. He just goes like this with his hand in front of his guitar, and <laughs> Chris like is not even playing. He's just swinging his guitar around his head and like, smashing yeah. it, and they're just going crazy. And it's it's the most ridiculous thing. Um, and it became like kind of a famous like a uh, few to the establishment. So it was like a real kind of like punk moment for them. Um, and it was like a huge. It was huge. The funny thing is, it was huge for the show. You know, I think at the time, everybody was, like, super pissed at him. But, like, that was the kind of thing that they would just sort of, like, they would they would kind of get up to. Um, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and what I think is- also in here, they have a, um, I don't know what the other instrument is that they're playing. I was trying to find that out.
3: Yeah, that's, I, it, that's I what I was thinking. It, it, sounds like, uh, it sounds like an accordion, but it doesn't perform like an accordion, I guess, if yeah. that makes sense. I think it might be... Um, Herpsichord. Like, no. Um, it's called a Mellotron. And um oh, so so oh. a Mellotron is like um like the Beatles used to use it. It's like um it's a keyboard. But each key is um it triggers a real to real tape, like a sampler basically. It's like the original it's like the first sampler they ever use. And um that, that's what it sounds like. It sounds like a, it sounds like an accordion or like a harmonica. But it's played like a keyboard. You know, like it doesn't have yeah. like the overlapping, like blending sound of a harmonica. And mm-hmm. it doesn't have the um The physicalness I mean, that, of yeah, an accordion. It, but it, yeah, but it yeah, but it doesn't have that persistent, um, chorusy, like layered sound of an accordion. So that's why yeah. I want that's why I think it's like a mellotron, some some sort of keyboard that has that sound attached to it you know it, it like the the notes are very distinct like they don't there's no, they don't really overlap with each other it's like kind of like, like one by one almost like
5: a midi controller or something but that might be something yeah. because it seems like it's like a keyboard There, it sounds like a i mean it doesn't sound like but it feels like it's played like a but i couldn't i tried to figure it out but i couldn't figure out what
1: it yeah because it that. has that accordion vibe but it does not have the it feel it does not sound like the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't have the feel of the compression and the pull of the accordion, you know?
3: so if you had like a a stock Triton keyboard or whatever, like a keyboard you buy from a music store, you know, with a million different sounds attached to it, you select the accordion patch and just play one note at a time. That's what it sounds like, but I don't know what they're actually using, but I think think Mellotron was what they called that one keyboard. It has like a sound like that. But yeah, it's it interesting because cool. it's not, it's different instrumentations you wouldn't normally associate
5: with mm-hmm. like early nineties, Seattle grunge rock. Yeah, it gives it like a folky vibe, which is like the opposite of Seattle grunge. Yep. Um,
0: yeah. But the original <laughs> song assuming. is a,
5: the original song's like a folk, it's like an anti-folk kind of song, but it's like a folk. it's just, you know, a guy and a girl with a guitar, you know, sounding like Pete Seeger. Um, so it, it fits really well. No, oh. um. Sorry. Uh. All right. So moving on. So then, next he comes up with another cover, and um, yeah, that's well, this time cover he, was, he picked. This time he's picked covering David Bowie. So obviously it's going to be a song that everybody knows. Except he picked the song no one knows from David Bowie <laughs> called "The Man <laughs> Who Sold the World." <laughs> Dude, is this,
3: is this a song that we discussed in, in the David Bowie episode? Was it on that one? Or I
6: don't think it was on.
3: Because I heard that guitar riff, I was like, "I fucking know that shit." And then, like, they said it was a Bowie cover. I'm like, "Wait,
5: did we talk about this song when we did the Bowie episode?" Probably not. I mean, it's it wasn't (laughs) like a it was like a B side Bowie song. Yeah. Um, So okay, so let me step back. So the the Vaseline's after this concert became famous, and like they became like they sold like, and I mean like this song became a famous song after this concert. In fact, David Bowie, um, he was like thrilled. He, He couldn't believe he heard the cover, and he like loved it. Um, although I guess he said he never got to meet Kurt Cobain to like, let him know like, how, um, how much he enjoyed this version But the funny thing is When Bowie would play this in concerts People would get real pissed at him He's like why are you playing Nirvana song
0: <laughs> <laughs> so people, like, so You get all these
5: young kids like, Cursing at him And he's like I guess that's what I gotta deal with you know. <laughs> what a funny problem to have
3: I, I like the um, what they do with the guitar, like during the uh, during the chorus, how like it kind of builds up. It's like dun 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 It's like it builds up, and like that's definitely like has yes. that Bowie influence, you know?
1: Chuck, I wrote that I wrote down the same thing like that. I wrote like do 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 like instead of <laughs> dot 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 dot, but I totally called out the exact same part, man. It's like raw electric sounds mixed with almost like bass yeah. chord climbs. <laughs> You
5: know, like do 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 This one they did use um, some like fuzz pedals and stuff on the guitars to get some of that sounds um, it's a for this version, yeah. So I felt, so, um, so Chris Devesellick, Chris Nevesilic and Cobain, um, so they learned about this, I guess they used to have a drummer, Chad Channing, that they broke up with. He was the drummer on bleach. Um, and it was, he had a cassette of Bowie's and they would like listen to it all the time or like a mixtape and then Cobain loved the song. And then like later on he found out it was a Bowie song. So he, um, that was sort of like a thing he found out later on, but that's where they initially learned the song playing it off that tape. Um, I,
1: I think too, like with, with Jesus doesn't want me for a sunbeam being so mellow, like this song really like, even though it's still acoustic, it brings like that energy back into it. And, and I think it's a cool, like turn back
5: into the album, you know? Mm-hmm. And again, it's just a great, the vocals are just fantastic singing. And yes. It. And it's, you know what, again, it's better. Like so the Vaseline's one, this their cover is better than the original and yeah. this is better than the Bowie original. Like, I hate to say it. I just, I just threw on the Bowie original just
6: to listen to it. And immediately I'm like, Oh yeah, this is Bowie doing some drug shit. Yeah.
5: <laughs> <laughs> You're like, get that. God, what is... I wonder if <laughs> this is from the book. You know, there's those Bowie albums where like he was pissed at his label. So we like, he purposely recorded a bunch of like crappy albums and saved all this his good songs. His third for album.
6: The his third album was named man before that okay yeah
5: this was like his
0: very early in his career so okay okay um
5: but yeah this is just a phenomenal cover yeah
6: i really like the song um, a lot should be discussed more frequently in the list of uh best covers ever like i always think about those and i'm like i'm like all along the watchtower by jimi hendrix i'm like oh yeah that one's that one's a great one, but I never think of this one. And every time I hear it, I'm like, oh, out. yeah, this is absolutely should be on the list because yeah. it is markedly better than the original.
1: 417 most-
6: Four million
1: plays.
5: I mean, a mark of a really good cover is when, like, you, like, even Bob Dylan said about Jimi Hendrix, like, well, that's really his song now. Like, yeah. It's a, like, it's not my song anymore. He kind of like took it, you know. Um, and, you know, this, this is, is, this is one. somewhat similar. Yeah. yeah. As uh, Bowie found out when a bunch of kids sold him, oh, "fuck you, little tosser," stop playing Nirvana songs. <laughs> he
6: um, Was that when he was? Uh, I want to say and this is off topic a little bit, but I thought Bowie like went on tour opening for like Metallica or something like that in the nineties. Like just sort of Bowie doing weird Bowie things. Oh, maybe uh, I don't know. And so I wonder if that's when he <laughs> he played that and got the whole. Oh, I'm different- sure
5: he. I'm sure he like pulled it out. I'm sure he like heard it and was like, Oh, this is popular again, I'm gonna play it, you know. Um It might have been then. Bowie cut open for Metallica,
0: that'd be an interesting concert. That'd be an interesting backstage to hang out <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I'd um, much rather hang out with Bowie. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I think there'd be that'd more help. fun to be had, less uh, ego to deal with. Yeah.
5: Unless you wanted to get in a fight. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. All right. And so uh so next up, um, they go back into playing Nirvana songs for like the first time since the second song. <laughs> um so this again, that this is um their first this is Penny Royalty. And it comes off their uh, in utero album. And again, that album had just come out like a month before. So it was still pretty fresh in people's minds.
2: time everyone
5: So, Kurt Cobain, so famously, he had stomach problems. like, thr- And a, I think a lot of the reason people think he was so addicted to heroin is he had really bad stomach pains, and they could never figure out why for, like, years. And he used heroin to help cope with it. That was, like, part of the way he would kill pain. Um, so, when you hear the song, you're like, obviously, this is about, like, all of his stomach problems, which caused him, like, crippling, like, pain and anxiety and stuff like that. Um, it, so, it's funny. So, it turned out later, they thought it was, like, IBS or something like that. It turned out later they found out it was a pinched nerve from his, from his spine that yeah. was pinching like a stomach nerve. And so it was oh not even God, with like stomach stuff. And they, he was getting some experimental medication to help treat it, I think. But, um, and allegedly he had kind of like around this time, had actually like figured it out. He was actually feeling better. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so you think that's what it's about, but he was like, Oh no, it's not about that. <laughs> <laughs> so Penny, Penny Royal tea is um, an herbal medication. Uh, that people use to induce abortions <laughs> apparently Dang um enough. and in his liner notes which were never actually uh, put into the album he wrote uh penny royalty it's an herbal abortive but it doesn't work you stupid hippie that's like <laughs> 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 so that was his liner notes um <clears throat> but really i mean a lot of it's about his i think you know he talks about us oh, people at their end of their line they're super depressed and they can't know what to do and stuff like that. But I think it's really just about how miserable he was when he was sick. You know, I mean, it's pretty clear. Um, I guarantee he was eating cherry flavored
0: antacids, all that stuff. So. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely mm-hmm. some, there's definitely some emotion in,
1: in this one. I, I put Kurt had the real Bob Dylan approach to the intro of the song. There's some really hardcore mumbling in those first few words.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
5: And I think this is the one he does solo, if I remember correctly, too, with it's just him and his guitar. Um, So there's some nice moments. Like he gets real quiet in the middle, you know, like as you were saying, Chuck, right? It'll get loud at times and yell at it's He gets gets real quiet. It kind of draws you in when you listen. You kind of have to get close to hear him. Yeah, no. It's just, guitar. it's just
3: him like the guitar. There's no bass or drums or anything. Yeah, yeah. Um.
6: I just wanted to go back for half a second. It wasn't Metallica. He was uh, opening for. It was 9-inch Nails in oh, Inch- no, cool. that.
5: That sounds pretty cool.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that would be fun. I would I'd, that, I'd hang out with that. That is of definitely <laughs> <them>. a backstage <laughs> I'd want to be. Yeah,
6: I'd definitely <laughs> all about
1: that. That'd be
6: yeah. great. Ooh. Back back to our regularly scheduled talk about abortive teas. Um, it also makes way more sense, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see,
1: I can see like them being cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of covers, how about that uh, Johnny Cash on Hurt?
5: Everyone thinks that you know that should be in the uh, discussion another,
6: for best covers. That's
5: another top cover. Yeah. God, that is a good one. You know, that's another that one that he took. Co- yeah, he, he took. Yeah. Yeah, Resner can't play that anymore. Um, I don't know. I
1: think I think how they're about, both
5: really good. They're both really good. So to, to get further on topic, how about Trent Reznor like just becoming a? I'm gonna arrange for TV and movies and be like a composer and like like <laughs> a, a very like, very good one. Yeah, like I mean, it's like <laughs> I mean, I, I guess is. it's not surprising in some respects, but man, like very know, very dude. far away from from nine it's, inch nap like. It, like, okay, there was Trent Reznor and there was Marilyn Manson. They were kind of like, some sympos- right. they were like very similar back in the day.
1: Yeah. Believe it or Trent- not.
5: And to talk about two different directions.
1: But dude, Trent Reznor is a fucking genius, man. Well, like, yeah. Like yeah. his music
5: or not, dude is a fucking genius. Like, br- I mean, he's clearly brilliant and just phenomenal. Yeah. But I'm just saying it's amazing how, how well his career is going and what he's done with it. Yeah.
0: Um, Less amazing how poorly Marilyn Manson's career has gone. It, literally they're like polar opposites. It's like Yeah. Although I don't think Marilyn Manson's I'll the bet. You don't think he's uh, what?
5: A genius.
1: No. No, but he just he evil. did have some hot girlfriends, so you know.
0: Yeah, he's just an evil guy. I think is what it comes down to. Um anyway. Um
5: <clears throat> all right. So moving on so, so then Six track Again off the New album In Euro uh, Is the song Dumb um, Which Kurt said Was basically a song Just about how people Who are easily amused You know People who aren't Capable of progressing Their intelligence But are totally happy Watching 10 hours of TV You know Really enjoying it You know I've met a lot of These dumb people You know They have a shitty job They may be totally lonely They don't have a girlfriend They don't have much Of a social life And you know For some reason They're happy <laughs> That's like What the song's about and I was like, that sounds actually like a pretty good life, like, to be honest. <laughs> like, I could watch 10 hours oh, yeah. of TV a
2: day and Gabby. happy. That's
3: a nice <laughs>
5: And actually, this is one where I think probably the in Euro version might be better. Uh, really? Why. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're actually pretty similar. Um, does the but. album
3: version in Euro does it have a cello? Uh, yeah. I, I think it's, it's the same cello, cello aren't you? That part. I'm like, ooh, yeah.
1: That that shit comes in. I'm like, yes. <laughs> yeah. I'll give me more. I think that shit yeah the you're good call, Chuck. The strings on this one are are very nice, and in the background it's super like just if you're not paying attention, you wouldn't even notice them, but they are very very like they make the they make it right like it's it is very good. I enjoy it
3: mm-hmm. it's just something about that instrument that just brings out like a different like uh, flavor, I guess you could say it's yeah. like it, it, it's not. Intrusive, it's like just like a subtle backdrop feeling, mm-hmm.
1: complimentary, it. yeah. Like it, it definitely complements the acoustics
0: for sure, yeah. like f- fills the sound, kind of, yeah, like them. yeah, yeah.
5: Yep, I'm for it. Yep, I agree. Yeah. All right, so and then going back to uh, Nevermind, um, another song that wasn't a hit off that album, uh, they sing the song Polly, um which is kind of a a bit of a happy sounding song. Um, so I recently, t- for this, I was like, oh, let me figure out what these songs are about. Because I never bothered. I just like to listen to them. Yeah. Um, and it just seems like, you know, kind of a little kind of goofy, happy little song. I assume it was about a pirate. I mean, um, a parrot. Oh, uh, no. Um, really? Not about a parrot. No. no, it's not about a parrot.
1: You really no. thought it was about a parrot? No, but I was like, that's my head. I would picture probably the parrot. Yeah, The
6: only thing. It starts, off, <laughs> it starts off
1: about parrots. It starts okay, okay. The first like forty <laughs> seconds of the of the song, he references a parrot, but like the rest of the song, he clearly references like she. Yeah, no, I I know. Well, I mean, but birds. I just, are genders, you
3: know. Bro, what are you saying that that Polly's not a girl parrot?
1: I, I okay okay fair enough fair enough fair enough. I, have, I, you yeah, ever, yeah. have you ever
3: have have you ever seen a parrot dick
1: There's <laughs> so many parrot dicks just do not check my browsing music. <laughs> <wants a cracker. laughs> <laughs> Have you seen <laughs> Parrot Latex porn? <laughs> <laughs>
6: gonna feel a lot worse when Cliff gets to what the song is actually about. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's dark.
2: I always kinda
5: of thought it was like a light-hearted kinda of fun little song. You know, like his usual stuff, this bunch of mixed-up poetry and stuff. No, it's not. It's about <laughs> it's about um. Uh, the abduction, rape and, and abduction, rape and torture of a fourteen year old girl in uh, Seattle it. that happened in 1987 yeah. by a guy named Gerald Arthur Friend, uh, who kidnapped her as she was walking home from a rock concert, and it was a huge thing. It was like there was a whole she was coming home from like a punk concert. was kidnapped. Her
0: Eventually, her she was escaped.
5: Uh, no, they don't have. I don't know what her name is. It's kind of redacted. Maybe it might might have been. Um, so that's what the damn song's about. To isn't song as the victim. Um, and it gets, it's just like a nightmare. So this guy uh, who did it, what's his name? Gerald Arthur friend who is, I think he died in jail. He had previously kidnapped and raped and beat someone in 1962. And then like went to jail for 20 years then got out and then did it again. It's like, cr- the whole story is nuts. They actually thought he was the green river killer for a while uh, in Seattle. And they're pretty sure he killed some people at some point so it's like anyway so this uh yeah so finding that I'll kind of put a bit of a bummer on the song for me um the details are even worse like yeah I'm not going to get into the details but thank you it, I don't know I went down like a true crime rabbit hole today I was like god damn it Jesus dude I'm not a true crime fan dude I was like I don't want to do that so that's what this song's about but it's an otherwise fun song and it's weird listening to it now when I know it's not about a parent, I'll tell you that.
3: Yeah, yeah, kind of, kind of wish you didn't tell us that part. You know what I mean?
5: <laughs> yeah, maybe we wish have held that back. <laughs> anyway, stupid reality,
0: fucking up. All I you. know, right?
5: <laughs> I'm like, I'll find some fun facts about each of the songs to talk about. All right. Anyway, um, so moving on again to the to the next song from uh, Nevermind um, on a plane. Um, and this one again features the cello again. It's uh Lori goldston on cello. And then they had a uh rhythm guitarist help with this one, a Pat Smear, who was on the in a band called The Germs, which is like a punk band.
2: Start this off without any words. I got so high, up my my Love myself, bad You know it's wrong, so I I'm on a plane. I can't complain. I'm on a
5: plane. I'm and again, it's like one of these things it's like, oh, what's the song about? Each time they'd ask, say something different. It's like, it's about teenage alienation or it's about this or that or whatever. So I think it's one of these sort of mishmash songs that he wrote. Um, um but I do, there is some fun stuff. So at one point he's like, you know, one more special message, one more special message to go. And, uh, that was because this was the last track they had the right to finish Nevermind. And he was trying to finish it to get it done in time. And so that was like where that line came from. Just like, I got one more song to write. Um,
0: um. So you think that they were literally just flying
1: from place to place and they're just like writing it on the plane like in between gigs or something?
5: Yeah, I think thing. they just had like an a because it was their first album and I think they just had like an A&R guy who was like you gotta get that done and like Steve Albini's in there yelling Ooh. at him probably at like you
3: know I, I was noticing about this it's like it's spelled plane like P-L-A-I-N like, like the Great Plains not mm-hmm. like airplanes or oh. <laughs> this plane of existence. Yeah. or no, like plane, like 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 Boring. the great prairie, like like prairie plane. You know what I mean? Like I'm yeah. on a plane.
6: Little plane Jane action.
5: Yeah. Well, it's funny because later on they sing a song about plateaus, so maybe it's related to that in some way. Mm. Um G- getting
3: geographical here, I think the bridge, though, this is like a song that has a little bridge mm-hmm. breakdown. that's like yeah they quiet down yeah, it's like the lost art of the bridge, you know, like that shit you don't really hear it anymore, especially in popular music. but yeah,
1: a little bit of it, like harmonizing too, in that bridge,
3: yeah, Kinda they have cool. yeah, they have back vocals like not a lot of the songs have
1: other vocals of Kurt, yeah, that's cool. It that sounds really good.
2: Yeah, more special than to go And then I'm done And I can go on Love myself And I do-
5: Sorry, I'm just listening to it. Um, yeah, totally guilty doing the same thing. Um, all right, so and following this with another Nevermind song. Again, that was their big album that had come out. And I think MTV was like, you got to play a bunch of songs on there. So they picked the, the ones they would ever really listen to. Um, so the next one is called Something in the Way. And this song, I remember, uh, this is where I've gotten, and I truly believe that fish do not have feelings. And it comes from this song. Uh, which is why it's okay to eat fish. Like, <laughs> it's another one. Like I heard when I was like 15, I'm like, sounds true to me. It's like Polly's a parrot. Fish don't have feelings. Need them. Um, but uh, and so this one, it's interesting. So this one actually does have a bit of a story behind it. So uh, there's like this lore where kirk Cobain, when he was like 15, ran away from home and lived under a bridge for four months. Um, Uh, that he kind of would tell the story. But, like, that's not totally true. Like, he did run away and, like, live on the streets, kind of, but it's, like, sadder than that. What's amazing is um, he, at one point, he was um, sleeping in a, a cardboard refrigerator box in the porch of uh, the drummer from the Melvins, which is pretty cool. Oh, that's cool. Like, yeah, I'm like, that's pretty cool. Um, and he would also like hang out and sleep in a hallway, in, like an old apartment building, and then try to get out before the residents woke up. Um, and they would basically like hang out in hospitals. So, but he was kind of homeless for four months, I guess, in Seattle when he like ran away from home. Anyway, so that's kind of like where this sort of song comes from.
0: Also, um, cello. Yeah. Dig it. Definitely wasn't cello on the album for this one. They didn't have have cello money with it.
6: I will see. uh, Like, it feels like when I reach this part of the performance that his, uh, his vocal cords are (laughs) starting to get tired. But uh, obviously he picks it up again towards the end. We'll get there. But uh, it definitely felt like uh, this one. He's just like, he was not trying to hit the high notes that he hit in like man who sold the world and stuff like that when he was screaming his lungs
0: out at the end. Yeah. And it's just a more mellow song.
5: It is. Yeah. Um, um, And then, so then moving on, should we get back into uh, covers again? So there. at this point he invites on, um, that joins him on stage is, uh, two guys. So they're going to cover some meat puppet songs. So the meat puppets were at, like another kind of Seattle grunge band, but they were like, they were like the like first wave kind of people. So they, they came on like in the early eighties and were like releasing albums and stuff. So this would have been like, you know, again, like Kurt Cobain, like the bands that he loved when he was growing up would have been like the meat puppets and stuff um and so that so he would and then he brought them on they were i think opening for him at some point and they were not like a famous band they were they were kind of like like famous underground but not like that well known um initially they we first saw them i guess when he um, when they opened for uh who did they open for not black um
0: um oh shoot
5: it was who's what, what was henry R- oh black flag Oh, Black Flag, yeah. Black Flag in like the early eighties and like instantly fell in love with them. Cause they were like so they were like a in the hardcore scene and then they got annoyed at all the hardcore people. So they started like doing all these like um introducing all this like country stuff and um like acid rock and all these other like kind of genres. And they did it just to piss off the people in the audience because no one wanted to hear like country licks and country <laughs> songs. Um but and so they and they basically founded what's called cowpunk, I guess, which I wasn't really fully aware of. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's like one of those weird subgenres no one knows about. But um, but they're actually like a pretty great band. I mean, if you listen to their albums, I kind of and I found and it, like everyone else in the world found out about the Meat Puppets through Nirvana. Um, and they really are fantastic songwriters. Their music is great, even from their old, you know, th- these covers are all off the Meat Puppets Two album, which is from like 1984, I think. Uh, so it was like an old album at the time. Um, and it got, and these guys got a big record deal out of this and it being on stage with these guys. Um, so it was a really like kind of a cool thing to do to bring them up. Oh,
6: and, that's cool. That's
5: cool. Right.
6: If you really want to feel old,
5: uh, meat puppets two
6: release date was closer to the end of world war two than today is to the meat puppets release date.
0: Uh, wow. <laughs>
6: <laughs> <laughs> just, just for a
0: little bit of fun there to make us all feel a bit old, man. Sorry, I'm doing some math. Oh, all sad., uh, from today back to uh, this concert,
6: you know, is the same <laughs> as from this concert back to uh, Kennedy's assassination. So <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> just, just just letting that time go by to make it feel real. <laughs> old. <laughs> all
5: right stop doing stop doing date math. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so anyway, so he gets joined on stage uh, with some guitar and backing vocals. It's uh, the two brothers were in the meat Puppets. It's Kurt, Kurt Kirkwood and Chris Kirkwood, the two guys, um, both heroin addicts at this time.
6: Yes, yes, we know they're from Seattle and they played music.
5: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We well, were actually from earlier right? in the episode. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> That's wild. Um, and then just some of the cool lines. Like this is the line, you know, who needs action? when You got work? You know? It's a good one. So the one thing that they always had, which kind of shows up here, is they have a nice, like, an odd instrumentation. Like, the up and down. Like, just, you know, it's almost like a rhythm-based kind of thing. Back and forth. Um, They would do a lot of that kind of stuff.
6: Kind of cool in a song called Plateau, that just is the up and down the entire time, too. Whereas, you know, mm-hmm. Plateau is flat. But definitely has a sort of a quasi-country
5: feel to that up and down. The pick mm-hmm. and that like sort of twangy guitar that yeah like, they'll slide on it sometimes too yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah almost like
3: a steel guitar but
5: not quite yeah and that's definitely like um I think it's probably I don't know I don't know if it's Chris or Kurt I don't know which, which but um it's definitely those guys playing you can sort of tell if you go listen to their album; they all sound like that
2: many a skilled, the grand old face of the plateau some belong to strangers and some to folks you know. Holy Ghost and talk show hosts are planted in the sand. Beautify the foothills, shake the many hands.
5: But yeah, this is actually some of the Me Puppet covers in here are some of my favorite songs on here. And it's like you didn't even know, like, when I, way back when, on I wanna, like watch this or listen to it, like, like you didn't, like, I don't think it really, like, highlighted that it was o me. I mean, they were, like, on, you knew that they were there because at some point he introduces them that says, you know, the Me Puppets. But, you know, you didn't even know, like, oh, that was, like, their music that he was playing necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you didn't, like, pay attention. Oh, dude, as
1: a kid, owning this album and listening to it, like, I had no idea that any of these were covers, any of them, at all. Yep.
5: Um, and so that moves into another uh, Meepopets cover called Oh Me.
2: If I had to lose my. mind had to touch, feeling I would lose my soul The way I do I don't have to think I only have to do it The results are always perfect But that's all the news Would you like to hear my voice Sprinkle with emotion?
5: Another fantastic song like that with. with um, and you can see it. Uh, listening to it now, you can really tell it's not an Arbanas, right? Just the lyrics are like, um, are they feel like they're less thrown together, like randomly? They're less just like phrases thrown together, yeah. Um, but still pretty like esoteric, you know? Um, like I can see the end of me, my whole expanse I cannot see. I formulate infinity, and store it deep inside of me. Just like a beautiful, you know it feels like
1: a 70s song too. like yeah. it, it has a 70s vibe to the lyric writing. I don't know I don't know if it's a guitar or just because it's acoustic, or just the way he's singing it, but it feels like like stuff that came before I was around mm-hmm. And
5: these and these sound a lot like the knee puppet originals too. um Like he's not like changing it that like he changes the nirvana song more than he does these, uh, moving from electric to acoustic. Um, I also lo- I think his voice is, this is where his maybe voice is starting to recover a bit too I feel like um, not screaming but just like it sounds nicer and I a little think more, he tries
6: um, to like I thought I had read something about how he had tried to find a key that would work and nothing worked so he just sang in the original key I don't know if it was this one or Plateau but basically some of the stuff with the uh, Meat Puppets folks and uh, it was just like well I, I don't really sound good in the key that the song was originally done, but I can't shift it at all so we're going to try to do that that way too. So I think he's he's working harder here again to make his voice fit the, the song as well.
0: Yeah.
5: But this is one of my favorite songs off of here. Yeah, it's a great song. Um, yep, just a beautiful agreed. song. Yeah. And again, there's not a lot like, ton of words, not a ton of lyrics. Um, but really, the guitar is beautiful. I, I love this one. hear my voice?
2: with emotion Vented at your birth I can't see me My own expense, I cannot see Formulate infinity Stored deep inside
5: So, so then, uh, moving on to the last of the Meat Puppets covers, "Lake of Fire." Um, and if you want to know where do bad folks go when they die, well, they don't go to heaven where the angels fly. They get to a lake all fire and fry. Won't see them again until the Fourth of July, right? This is like this feels like a Johnny Cash kind of song in some regard. Yeah, Maybe it's got a Ring of Fire or something, but it has like a real old, old timey. Is this Meat Puppets? I to it. It is. This is, is, another, part. This is but, me puppets, yeah. But before,
6: like, I started looking at this, I mean, you could have given me a million guesses, and I would have said, "Whatever, this is just a Nir- Nirvana song, right?" Like, mm-hmm. this one was another one that got big, and you you heard it everywhere and stuff like that, and it's just like associated it with Nirvana. But now that we you know listen to it, and talked about, it, it's like, oh yeah, <laughs> that whole yeah. Uh, chorus there is uh, way more you know put together than anything Nirvana normally writes. thematically put together.
1: It has a vibe of of o oh me like the song the song previous to it like it totally has that same vibe carried over um, unlike the other parts of the album
5: yeah it's just got kind of, yeah, rude. especially if you go and listen to the original like um, again he's like really sticking to it like um the originals are like this is cases where like the originals are they're not as well recorded but they're like just as good um unlike the you know he doesn't like take it away like the Bowie wanted although yeah. no one had heard of this and i you know what to be honest i didn't like hear the original me pups until i had like spotify a few years ago And i'm like oh you know what i can actually go listen to all these other songs now um like nobody bought me puppets too i don't think you right. could buy me puppets too at this time i'm pretty sure you couldn't have actually purchased this album back then um uh, although maybe later, because they ended up getting a big record deal and releasing a big album after this, uh, the Me Puppets, which is pretty good. Well, I forget the name of it. I should look up the name of it, but um Um and again really good guitar work. It's um, you know, uh, the Kirkwood brothers on the guitar. Um and you can hear it sounds different than like, you know, the rest of the play And yeah, frankly, a little bit better. Some
1: well it gets fancy on this one too.
5: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, those guys they're a talented duo, man, those two. Um. Yeah, I think the
3: uh, the guitar outro at the end is pretty dope.
5: then moving into uh the second to last song um going back to in utero this was the big like hit off of in utero yeah uh, all apologies um and it's just a brilliant song i mean again the album version brilliant too yeah um but you know it was new it was it had been out a month so no one knew about it um so this might have been the first time a lot of people heard it if they watched it live on tv um some people knew about it <laughs> <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs>
6: This was the uh, <laughs> this was the song that we played in eighth grade band for our band concert. Like the oh, uh, really edgy the edgy band concert was the figure out all <laughs> apologies. Uh, awesome. i put it into an eighth grade.
5: You know, so you had a cool band. music music uh, teacher, right? Or band? Yeah, band yeah, practice. actually, yeah, yeah.
6: pretty fair, yeah. But <laughs> it was terrifying weird. because, like,
5: at the beginning,
6: it was like I was the only baritone player in the band, and there's like. It's like five seconds worth of only the baritone playing. And I'm like, I'm terrible, right? And I know practice, so that's awful as well. And I'm like, I have to lead us into this song that like none of the parents in the crowd are going to know when we're playing it. And I'm like, but they're definitely going to know if I screw it up. And so, thankfully, uh, I remember we didn't screw it up too bad. I think one of the kids uh, switched over to bass sax, too, so we could have two people playing instead of just me. They needed to make sure I was covered because I was that bad. I think you did a great That's job, cool. Rob. That's yeah, I'm what I'm proud like about of, you. Yeah. I'm sure it was that awesome. That's one of my favorite memories, honestly. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> like, anyways, yeah. this one always has a warm spot in my heart because of that, because we <laughs> played it as a band.
5: Hell yeah. Um, yeah, this is a fantastic song. the one funny anecdote I found for this one is um so you know you know Bobcat Goldbaith the comedian yeah. and actor right from uh what was that police uh, academy. academy fame police academy yeah <laughs> um the bad guy with the heel turn and the good guy in the second yes yeah. one of the wow. famous heel turns in, in history um also Shakes the Clown another fantastic movie um I recommend um anyway so I guess he was opening for them opening for Nirvana I don't know and uh, he, they were. He was telling Kurt Cobain. He's like, you know what, you know what you should do for the, um, for the, uh, um, for the music video is you should sing this while you're dressed as Leah Harvey Oswald and you're assembling a rifle in the book depository. <laughs> <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> and, and Kurt's like, well, we can't because MTV will allow us to have guns on TV because you can't. Apparently, MTV was like no guns in music videos. And he goes, okay, no problem. He's like, instead dress as Lee Harvey Oswald and make a pie, and then have you know Dave Grohl walk by and hit him in the back of the head when he's dressed as Kennedy. <laughs> and they were like, "Oh, that's a good." But they never did it. <laughs> wow. But
3: um, this is why Cliff is crucial <laughs> to potato Thumbs Podcast. It is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> this is.
5: I don't Cliff. know. I don't, like. I don't know. Like, I don't I have no idea if that's true, but I read that anecdote. I'm like, it, it's going to be true in my head. So here we go. That's fantastic. Just the fact I'm like Bobcat Goldwave. I'm like, <laughs> he was fun... big
1: though. But I mean, he was, yeah. he was big. Like he was funny. He was. Like that was, that was when he was the thing, you know? Yeah. And the not, yeah. Police Academy and his comedy shit. Yeah. Like and that he comedy was,
0: character. Yeah. 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 He, did the, he did the same character on stage. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Police Academy is a good movie. I should watch that again. Yeah. With um, Hightower. Anyway, all right, forget it. <laughs> uh, and the guy's name was Tackleberry. The one Tackleberry, yeah, it on totally top. was Tackleberry. Yeah, <laughs> the dude uh, who made all the uh, all the noises was that Michael Winslow. Yeah. Is it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it it was. Was his name. dude. When I was a kid, that was he was the coolest guy in the world. Yeah, I was like absolutely. I, don't know, I was probably ten or eleven when that came out. Yep. I never seen anything like it. Blew my mind. Yep. Um, oh yeah um all right so and then moving on to the last song so this is probably like the most famous song on the album i think um and it's Uh, like the song that like this is like what cemented kurt cobain is like oh you're not just like some crummy guitar like some crummy punk guitarist like you're like a true artist or whatever right the song i think this is um, my favorite song for sure on the album yeah yeah, so yeah i mean so it's what did you uh where did you sleep last night um, which is a traditional song. I guess he uses the lead belly version of it. Um, so the song itself goes back to the 1870s. Um, really. and it's, it's yeah. been, yeah, so it, it's, it's a, like, so it goes back to before recording. So people would just play it to each other all the time. It originated in like Southern Appalachia, uh, or like the Southeastern part of the United States. Um, and it, so people would play it and they'd learn it from each other. And there's all different kinds of versions, right? Cause they're just like hearing a guy play it and they learn to play it. Um, uh, and they think it might have um, some of it might have came out of like some of the um, they back then they used to like basically round people up for vagrancy which just meant you were like not at, on your property and then arrest you and then sell you to the coal mine to work like that's basically it was black people in the south that's kind of how they did it and so like they think like that the coal mine and the coal line down in Georgia is where the song originated Um, and anyway it's been sung in various ways over the years the, the The three things, so it's either called um, Where Did You Sleep Last Night or In the Pines with the two names. Um, But there's three features that all the versions of the songs have. Um, There's a chorus somewhere where they sing about In the Pines. Uh, There's always a verse about The Longest Train and there's always a decapitation. Those three things happen in all the versions of the song. (laughs) So I thought that was pretty funny and it's in this song too um but yeah so it was made famous by uh, Bill Monroe and Leadbelly like they recorded in the um in like the 40s and 50s and um and he actually so the other kind of tidbit is uh Mark Lanigan who was a member of the Screaming Trees was another kind of like before like a guy Kurt could be able to looked up to kind of at that time and he had started us they were came on before Nirvana he started a solo career and apparently, like I didn't even know this. Kirk played guitar on his solo first solo album, like '89 or '88. So this is before he was famous, and he played the guitar on this track when it was covered by Mark Lanigan. Um, oh, so he had played cool. it before, and he learned it from Mark Lanigan. Had like a '78 of it. That's where he learned it from that record. Because remember, we didn't have the there was no internet at this time. Like right. you learn about this song because you just know a dude who has the record. Who who knows how he got it? He probably like his dad probably gave it to him. You know, or he found it in a garage somewhere. So it's like total, like serendipity that you hear some of these things. Um, there's no Googling or any of that stuff. It just kind of, you just get lucky. Um, so that's, anyway, so that's where he first learned about it. And these guys kind of really looked up to the song. They love lead belly in general. Um, and it's just like this incredibly powerful, you know, he gets quiet. Gets real quiet and it just explodes and he's, you can tell he's like killing himself singing. Um, and they were supposed to do so. They finished the song, and they were supposed to do an encore. That MTV's like, you got to do an encore. And he walks off. He's like, look, he's like, it's not getting better than that. <laughs> he's, yeah,
4: like, that's, that's like, he's like, we're
5: dope. not. He's like, there's nothing else we can do that's going to beat that. So we just need to end it right now. And they were like, good point, you know, dude. Uh, it's fucking
3: that last uh, verse or whatever. Like, like how he just fucking belts it out. That's what I'm talking about. Like how he uses volume to create space and to create emphasis. And like it's so sort of that there's parts of the song where it's like real, like low and, and quiet, and then at the end, fucking Kurt just goes in, and just fucking screams that shit. Like yo, like that's the exclamation point. That's the fucking boom. That's 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 yeah. the closing of the show like like i don't blame him like no i don't fuck that up like like that you're not gonna get any better than
6: that i don't know how he talked after that last shivered like after that last shivered the whole night through
5: yes nice. That's yeah. the fry on that is so oh, just like ridiculous and you can hear he like gets to the peak and he stops and like takes a breath and usually it's like a bad thing like oh you don't want to like breathe and you're but he stops and takes like an audible breath and it like just adds to the song, you know?
1: And it just, dude, it's just, and then it's just, after after he ends, it's just that they keep doing the instruments. Like they keep mm-hmm. playing the music and the music just carries the song out with the
5: applause. And dude, it's so yeah, fucking perfect. It just lights it up. So, so. perfect. And there's like yeah. that cello, I think, I guess, again, underneath of everything, kind of just like mm. holding it like, like you know.
3: It gives it that like kind of dark, ominous kind of... uh oh, and this shit's wonderful. My girl,
2: my girl, where will you go? I'm going where the cold wind blows. In the pines, in the pines, where the sun don't ever shine. I was shiver the whole night through.
5: And again, no one, ha- another, this is like the fourth person on this album where like no one had ever heard of Lead Belly before this album. Like they really had, <laughs> I mean, it was like kind of famous. Maybe you'd heard of them, but like this was like, oh my God, I got to go listen to old timey blues. Everyone who was like a grunge kid was like, oh, I got to go get me some Lead Belly, you know, uh, and Muddy Waters and whatnot. I know I did. I was like, oh, I got to listen to blues stuff. <laughs> Yeah, really um,
1: and and it's just what a perfect ending to this album, man. Yeah. Like just just the fucking
5: to wrap it up on that. It's so epic. Yeah, it's just fantastic. And just the whole thing like again like it, MTV was like there was a lot of a lot of like nerves going in cuz they're like, "No, no, you need like, you know, you need to get um, like real stars to come on here. You need to play your hit songs. You need if you're going to cover a song, cover a song people know. Don't cover five songs that no one's ever heard of you know what i mean and he was just like they just stuck to their guns um and dope, and produced the best unplugged album they've ever done you know what i mean um or at least yeah
6: i mean ricky martin's 2006 uh unplugged did
5: win two latin grammys oh uh, well, that's a good point well the second best it, unplugged album. <laughs> <Although> tony <laughs> bennett's
0: pretty good too <laughs>
6: Tony Bennett's was actually pretty good.
1: Eric Clapton also did one, apparently. That was (laughs) good.
5: Oh, they all did. There was like a. uh, Oh, yeah, there was. There was a I think, had one. Dude, there's a. It It all happens
6: like after this first one, right? Like the ones before it are all
5: pretty meh. They're not memorable. Well, it's It's like Clapton was 92. It's like 10,000 Maniacs. People would show up and they would play, like... they would just do their album like they would do at a concert, but just do it acoustically. And it was like, yeah. okay, it's an acoustic version of, of the album. You've already know, you know, that was a lot of it, um, which is what it was supposed to be, you know? um.
1: Well, I, yeah, I mean, I definitely think a lot of people came after they saw what happened to
5: Nirvana, right? Yeah. And it was just the, everything with him dying and like literally at the peak of their fame, they had just released probably one of their best albums. It was like, you know, it really blew up and it blew up the whole unplugged. in fact i don't even i don't think there's another unplugged album that's really worth listening to to um nowadays you know i mean maybe there is i'm sure there is but but like yeah like i looked at the list and i like i was like oh maybe they did it for a couple years you know but they probably canceled it like 95 or 96 and this went on for like 20 2000 2010s like 20 years long it's kind of amazing um
3: Yeah. You know, um, I I know that fun facts with regards to albums are normally Cliff's lane, but I I was like reading up a little write up on Apple Music about the album. And um, I thought about just passing off these paragraphs as my own because it'd be kind of funny and stupid. But I didn't do it. I'm going to let Cliff do his thing. But one interesting little tidbit that I did see in that is they said that the cardigan that uh, Kirk Cobain wore during that performance was auctioned for three hundred and thirty four thousand dollars. holy shit believe <laughs> it. <mean, laughs> that's fucking crazy. Talk about like a legendary like performance at night like yeah, I will pay a third of a million dollars for that Whatever.
1: I do listening to this album again and talking it talking to you guys about it. It does make me sad that um this was like the last thing that they got that they did because it's so fucking great, and it's just like, yeah. man, like what else could have been, man? Yeah, they were really no. like a talent. They weren't
5: like a flash in the pan kind of. No, well, like dude, just look
1: at, man. look at fucking Foo no. Fighters. Like, look at how yeah. good Foo Fighter. And, and granted, yes, Foo Fighters is more than just Dave Grohl. But. I thought it, it wasn't.
3: I thought that was a thing. I thought like it was like basically Dave Grohl just recording himself playing different instruments, and then he just assembled the band to perform it whenever they needed to. Wasn't that the whole thing with Foo Fighters? I think it originally, just, was, but I don't know if over. It, the, it was just Dave Grohl just time. vibing out in the studio by himself, like layering himself
5: over but a, himself. But it's like a lot of. Could... It's a lot. Either way, it's a lot of Dave Grohl. It yeah. is. Well, and it
4: yeah.
6: founded as a one man band, but now it's a, a consistent lineup with of, of everybody. So
1: yeah, yeah, and, and he is very smart. But I'm just saying, like, look what he did, and just imagine yeah. like what they could have done. With himself,
5: yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're just super talented. They were really. I mean. It's kind of. I always forget that Dave Grohl's like in Nirvana and stuff. So like, and then sort of the Foo like I know that they're both Dave Grohl, but yeah. I just always forget. Like, oh, that's that he was the drummer for Nirvana. I always yeah. forget that. Um, well, and I do that because Chris didn't. You know, he He was in other bands, but I think he just was like, I don't really want to You know, I think he just, he yeah. made a bunch of money. He's like, I'm, I'm good. I um, love I Foo Fighters, so
1: I, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's just my love for Foo Fighters and my love for this album.
0: Um, yeah. Too bad. Yeah. <clears throat> um. Do you do you got time to talk about your theories? Uh. Yeah. We could do that. You want to? Yeah. Are you guys cool with
5: that? Conspiracy theory. oh no, yeah! All right. Okay. All about it. Uh, all right. So this one's pretty cool. I, this, is, this is this is probably the only conspiracy theory that's probably actually real. So just keep that. Well, we're in talking mind. about the 2020 election, right? Um. <laughs> I think we're talking about how the famous TV one
1: can
6: see. God damn it! Or the
1: birds um, aren't
5: real. Um, Ooh. Okay. So, Kurt Cobain the the official story is that he uh uh basically shot himself with a shotgun. But well, there's all kinds of like inconsistencies and like like it's a lot of suspicious stuff going on. The biggest problem is apparently like when the cops found them, they just like trampled over everything and didn't like work, they didn't like secure the scene and get people out to investigate. They're like they saw a shotgun and a dead guy. Like, yeah, I guess that's what happened. And they clean you know what I mean? So it's, there isn't a lot of good evidence. And there's all kinds of inconsistencies. And like they're like, oh, you had too much heroin in him and all this other stuff. But, but so there's a lot of theories of like, someone might've killed Kurt Cobain, a lot of good reasons for it. And not really someone, it was people think it was um, his wife at the time, Courtney, uh, Courtney, Love. Uh, Courtney, Courtney love. Right. Um, which makes sense. Cause she's kind of batshit crazy. Right. But what's interesting is her background. And it seems as though there's a lot of evidence that suggests that Courtney Love is actually an MK ultra trained sex assassin. (laughs) Um,
6: (laughs) Oh, there's lots of evidence from this, huh?
5: Yeah. So we're going to go through some, some, I mean, you know, I got to do a little bit of deduction, a little bit of induction. You know, we got to like put some, you know, I, I was going to bring a board, but I don't have one. But um <laughs> all right, oh so, imagine so imagine Charlie <laughs>
3: Day fucking right,
1: so sure yes, here dude. <laughs> fucking yes. yarn fucking okay. hold on, dude. I I want to set all the right. mood for everyone. Cliff is in Philly and he <laughs> might look like Charlie Day. So just we're always yeah, yeah. sunny right now. Have you ever
3: seen you Charlie a- Day <laughs> have you ever seen Charlie Day and Cliff in the same room with the same?
1: Time?
5: <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, just to put us all on the same page, so MKUltra, right, was, uh, and this is actually a real thing. So this is like government documents. Yeah.
3: That's like confirmed. That's not even a conspiracy. That, that
1: shit
5: happened. I mean, it's, uh, it's 100% uh, confirmed. So, The CIA used um, all kinds of psychedelic drugs uh, to run experiments at various universities throughout the country during the 60s, 50s, 60s, and 70s with LSD in an attempt to um, basically like mind control, manipulation, stuff like that. Uh, basically experimenting on college kids. That was what they were doing. And it, so it's documented because they kind of claimed it never happened, but they apparently misfiled a bunch of stuff. And then somebody like found a box one day and opens up and it's full of like all these government reports. On well, and There's,
1: there's yeah. like confirmed uh, in San Francisco they had, they had houses set up for Johns that would come yeah. into these whorehouses with, with yeah. recordings and two way mirrors and then they, the, uh, the ladies would dose them with like huge doses of lsd and then
5: they would like
1: yeah 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 the cia
5: trained sex assassins with it with yeah Yeah. exactly okay all right we're getting there (laughs) yeah so okay so a lot of this stuff took place at various colleges in san francisco was an area where they were kind of set up and doing these things harvard all these other places um uh all right let me get my notes up here okay so um courtney love so her mom basically was heavily into like the whole like hippie acid scene in San Francisco. Um, I think her godfather is Phil Lesh from Grateful Dead. And then her grandparents were also like super rich. So it's just like a trust fund. Like the family's sort of a trust fund kind of family. And they were just like totally into drugs at the time. Um, her mom was also a psychologist, I think. Um <clears throat> anyway, so apparently she's Courtney Love at the age of three started going to psychotherapy. Um, and they don't know exactly who the psychotherapist was, but they think it was this guy, John Gittinger, um, who was a psychologist who worked for the CIA running MK Ultra projects. All right? Holy shit, dude! Um, and other women have subsequently testified that they were um, being treated by this guy uh, as part of a it's called MK Ultra, MK Ultra Project Monarch, where at the age of three these these women were like, oh yeah, they started getting this LSD and all these other drugs, like specific drugs. Um, By John Gettinger and also Sidney Gott, who was part of that Project Wormwood, which is the, um, which is the, um, which is the uh, uh, brothel kind of thing. is Project Wormwood, Um, and what they were trying to do is create split personalities so that they could like activate one, like people with dissociative identity disorder, so they could like manipulate them and like activate them when needed. That's what they were trying to do to these like children. Um, And so the theory is that, um, and then so later on. Um, you know, she, when she's like 14, she's telling her dad, like, oh yeah, like she claimed that this therapist like abused her and was giving her like very specific drugs that you wouldn't really know about. And it turned out those were the drugs that were used in Project MK ultra So they think that, like, oh, she was like one of these girls who was like manipulated and stuff. Um, at one point, her mother uh, takes her and leaves for um, uh, New Zealand. Um, and that apparently doesn't go well. So she ends up calling her psychologist who comes and gets her and brings her back to the United States. Her psychotherapist who, again, they don't know exactly who it is, but they think it's this getting guy. Um, I like fucked up, right? <laughs> this is like, not like, you know, um, so the mom anyway, stayed in New Zealand and this dude took and, her back and he brought her back. Yeah. home, And I think stayed with her father. Oh yeah. So there were psychotropic drugs, thecanol, uh, which was used to induce h- hypnosis. Um, and, yeah. And thinking was used as part of it. it's in the records as being used by MK ultra. Um, and that's according to like, that's stuff that she told her dad, whose name was like Hank Harrison was her dad. And she was a little bit estranged from stuff like that. So there's like a bunch of other things. Um, the other crazy thing is that she, at one point goes with her dad to Dublin. So she travels all over the world and she claims like she was working as like a teenage prostitute and all those other, I mean, it's a little bit, who knows what's real. But at one point, she goes to Dublin with her dad, and while there, she starts hanging out with this guy named Steve O'Leary. Um, and together, they—you know—when she's like fifteen or something, they buy a whole ton of acid with who knows where they get the money from, and they um, travel to Liverpool in the '80s, where the punk movement is breaking out, to start distributing drugs. Uh, and it later turns out comes out that Steve O'Leary is actually a confirmed CIA agent. So that was her boyfriend at the time. Um.
0: And 15. then again, like
5: at yeah, like age 15 or 14. I mean, she's like had a pretty crazy life setting aside any conspiracy theories. Um, and so the theory, and this kind of goes back to like a lot of other stuff is that it's part of a, 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 I guess, um, government conspiracy to break up leftist organizations and movements by induced by throwing drugs into them. So they, they did like in the sixties, with like acid and LSD and, um, and heroin. And then again, like, and all these other things that would kind of get all these people on drugs. So to kind of collapse the movement, the black Panthers and stuff like that, that's one of the theories of the way they would kind of like prevent them from taking over to try to stop any kind of leftist movement or communist movement, right? Cause we're all about uh, pinkos back then. Um, yeah, anyway. And so then, uh, you know, the, the other kind of quote is that at one point she marries a guy named James Moreland in the eighties. Um, and he later broke up with her and said that, he was really pissed because he thought that she was like a real punk radical feminist, but instead she was basically just a right wing Phyllis Dillon. That was how he described. Her. Um, oh, interesting. So, so that's sort of the, that's sort of like the stuff that they're like, they think that she was just in there to like, to like break things up and get people on drugs and all this other stuff. And to try to like, just break up the scene. Um, and if nothing else, there was like a lot of stuff about, there was a question about whether like Kurt was going to leave her. And she had a, they had a prenup agreement. So she wasn't getting any money. Um, and so she was kind of like contacting lawyers and stuff. There's, and a number of like investigators looked into it and think that, um, who's the guy they think hired her? Um, give me one second. Yeah, okay. That's right. They think the person who actually killed Kirk Cobain was this guy named El Duce, who was another like punk performer, kind of crazy guy who was hired, they think, by perhaps Courtney Love. And that guy later died. I think he was hit by a train mysteriously, like some years later. Um, damn of, of so all the ways to die
0: yeah.
5: what is this, the well, 1880s you can say I by you might well I don't know anyway my people get it so by that's kind of like my half assed version of um, going through Nirvana conspiracy but the MK Ultra stuff I was like I heard I'm like there's no way and I was like oh man maybe maybe there is something going on here
1: so wouldn't it be fucked up if like that was a thing and she just happened to do the wrong drug with him one night and like Flip that personality like it wasn't even Intentional it was just the wrong concoction Of drugs and then you just Flip that personality and all of a sudden Like like Sex assassin
5: yeah yeah Um anyway yeah so Um Yeah that's where that stands Just like holy shit Yeah, yeah MK ultra I mean it's not a conspiracy but it's like It's amazing the amount like Uh Ted Kaczynski the unabomber He was an MK ultra subject in Harvard and who left Harvard then to go throw bombs around the country, you know, mail bombs around the country. Like all yeah. these people are like Manson, um, Manson. Yeah. was another one. Um, can, I mean the acid guys who, uh, who ran all the acid trip stuff, they were students at, at, um, Harvard and they were also in those projects where they got the drugs and they got into it. So it kind of started the whole counter in some regards that research. Um, but it's just crazy. Like, you're just like some college professor with like federally they give you a whole bunch of LSD from the federal government. It's like remember um what's the uh um, um half baked with yeah. um Dave Chappelle when he's yeah. like going down to get the weed for the scientist. He's like, yeah. Hey scientist, here's your weed. He's like <laughs> he's like, You want some? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Dude. It's just, it's like that, you know. I'm just saying, like, one
3: time I took some drugs and I was one hundred percent convinced we were about to be Invaded by the Chinese in like 2002. (laughs) I was like, could not be convinced otherwise. (laughs)
6: Like, like, oh man, no. You're (laughs) yelling Wolverine in the backyard. Yeah, it it was like, yeah. Real red (laughs) daunting.
3: When it feels real, it's real. You know what I mean? Like, it's just what it is.
1: (sighs) You definitely need to surround yourself with the right people and not sex assassins. Uh, no, because You don't want to go on a bad trip, man. That's a fucking horrible experience. Yeah. Definitely <laughs> yeah, no right. CIA.
5: Definitely don't want to spend any time with anyone in the CIA yeah, when man. you're on drugs. Unless you're in the CIA. But then it's probably okay.
0: Somebody
6: was having fun writing this uh, Wikipedia uh. <laughs> about MKUltra. Got the old uh, use of defenestration into the article itself. At least one death, the result of an alleged defenestration of Frank Olson. Defenestration being... Death by being thrown out a window. Jesus Christ, <laughs> dude. Yeah. I was just like, all right. Whoever was writing this Wikipedia article was having a good time. They even properly linked it to the uh Wikipedia page for defenestration. Uh just <laughs> oh, man. we're having a real good time going down some uh some wiki links here. You just click on things and see where we go. There's there's
1: like all there's like um is it a documentary or book or i don't know there's some there's like a whole fucking thing behind like courtney and and this this like
5: theory oh build. there's there's like a there's a ton of books there's movies like documentaries i mean it's like amazing how much i mean i haven't really read any of it because i'm lazy but there's a ton of stuff out there on like his life it's a real like i mean it's kind of amazing and there, i mean there was like a the um one, like she had hired I, at some point, I think she hired like a private detective to look into something. And he like started following, he's like, I think he's the one who thinks she killed him. And so she like fires him, but he like keeps going like on his own with his own money and stuff like that. And I think that turned into a book later. I think he turned it into a book at some point, but um, yeah. Dude, can you imagine though,
1: like if she hired you and you're doing stuff and that you find a bunch of evidence and you think it's her? Like, like, I wouldn't fucking keep going. Like, if she's actually, like, like in yeah. and connected and a killer, like, and she's I'm got sorry, a ton of money. Like, she's super yeah. rich, right? She How fucking easy
0: America. are you to get out of here, you know? Like, yeah, dude, scary shit, man. Huh, anyway. Well, it's fun, but
5: regardless, this album is a fantastic album. Um, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, I, haven't, I hadn't listened to it in a while. I uh yeah. we were looking for an album and I was like, I'm gonna try to pick something that's like a gr- I wanna pick like um like a great like a like a known great album. You know what I mean? And then yeah. I was like looking around and then I was like oh, and it just kinda like fell in my lap, uh looking through like um you know, Spotify and whatnot.
1: It was a great call. Yeah, good job. Like. You posted it. You posted it in our group chat. And I don't even think you said anything. Maybe you said this is the next one. I don't remember. But you posted it. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. hands down, yes. That is that mm-hmm. is the answer, my friend. Um yeah. No, it was great. I hadn't heard it in a while. And it was really enjoyable to listen to these past few weeks. So, And also, I really enjoyed that just that rabbit hole that we just went down. You know, <laughs> wh- whether it's all made up or not, like, it's still fun to.
5: I mean, it's. Yeah. Yeah. It's a wild one, yeah. I remember what I was heard. It was like a, there's a pot, so there's a guy who does a podcast called, uh, this is a guy, Adam Todd Brown. He has a podcast called Conspiracy the Show, right? And it's great, it's a great conspiracy podcast because, like, most of the stuff, they're like, this is, they basically, like, debunk, debunk like, 80% of the stuff they talk about, but they're not, like, there to debunk or not, they're just, like, they're like, this isn't true, like, this is bullshit. <laughs> um, But this is one they went into, they're like, I don't know, man, it seems pretty legit, <laughs> like, they went into this. Um, that was like a few years ago. They studied this one. But um, but yeah, every, yeah, I don't know when it comes out, like once a month or something. But um, they do a lot of good fun conspiracy stuff on there. Oh, um, that's cool. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you. I, uh,
1: I, I'm kind of fine with how this show went. I mean, do we even need to go into other stuff right now? I don't know. What do you think? No, I think we're good. Yeah, I think it, it was a good me- one. Yeah, I think we add music and, and keep, it, keep it to this album. I think it was pretty rad. Oh, yeah, it was a good choice, bro.
5: I'm just glad to hear that Xbox isn't being dissolved. Uh, like PlayStation? <laughs> yeah. Well, there's the whole thing. That everybody was freaking out for a week. They're like, Xbox is over. No more Xbox. No more X- Xbox is done. They've abandoned us. And they come out for their business update. They're like, yeah, we're going to put, like, Hi-Fi Rush on PlayStation. And that's about it, <laughs> like, you know? Well, it's like funny. the PlayStation thing is
1: funny because they're like end of cycle now for PlayStation five. Right. So yeah, like that's that's they're they're like, oh, no, nope, you didn't sell enough. It's end of cycle. But it's like everyone's like, hey, man, like you couldn't fucking buy one. Like <laughs> your numbers are bad because didn't make enough of
5: them because of are well, shortages. Um... Yeah, they're also just... They just want to sell... All these places, they need to sell more... Co- they can't just sell games to PlayStation users. They have to sell games to, like... People are all on PC. Everybody's on PC nowadays. 20 years ago, everyone had consoles. Now everybody has a PC. I mean, I have a console and a PC, just because... I don't know. Why not? Um, yep. And I placed... And to be honest, one of the reasons I like the Xbox is, like, I'll play something on here, on my laptop, and then, like... Or I'll play it on the couch, right? And then, like, you know, my kid not want to watch a movie, and I'm like, all right, well, I'll turn it off, and I'll pull my laptop out, and it kind of, like, jumps over pretty easy. And I can, like, load up my save game and everything, you know, for a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, and so that just works out great, but... But yeah, so they just need to sell games, man. And, like, so PlayStation wants to sell games on PC because they need a little more money, and Xbox wants to sell games on PlayStation because they want a little more money, and why don't we all just... I the, the whole exclusive game thing sucks. Across the board, none of these games should be exclusive. Just put them wherever. Let people play them. I think because you know? people have PCs now and
1: because PC is such a popular thing, like there's so many games that that whole exclusive shit doesn't sell the way it used to. No, not like, at all. Uh, like Spider-Man's exclusive to PlayStation. Oh, well, there's a, there's is, a fucking a billion
5: other games I can play. There's, there's games I want. I have games like on my computer that I'm like, I gotta finish. Like I have other stuff to do other games to play. Yeah. In addition to like life and all, you know, Yep. Um, I actually saw on Game Pass today or yesterday. I was like, I was like, oh, let's see what's on here. And they had a whole section. It was like games under two gigabytes. It was like a category. <laughs> and I was like, perfect. I'm like, let's find some games I can download real quick and play. Yeah. All
1: right. Um, let's see. What does Ben have for us? I can't
6: even find the fucking chat. Ben has got uh, Freebird by Super American. Did you say free bird? Free bird by super American. It's two minutes long, not 14 minutes long <laughs> or seven minutes long. Whatever the, uh, other more famous version of free bird is.
1: Okay. Got it. Mr. Cliff, you picked a great album. Why
5: don't you go next? Uh, so I recently learned. So do you watch, um, what we do in the shadows? Oh yeah. So, you know, um, uh, Matt Barry, right? The He's the head vampire guy on that show. Oh, okay. Um, fantastic act. He's brilliant on on. It plays Lazlo, I guess. Yeah, it he's a funny, real boisterous. So, and he's he in a bunch of good stuff. He was in the IT crowd. Was a he played like this out of touch CEO, and like that was always sexually harassing everyone. Funny at the time. Um, and uh, anyway, so apparently he's also like a super accomplished musician that takes it very seriously. <laughs> and is like and he has all these he's like i just want to make albums like a bunch of like 60s pop albums and stuff like that And so he just makes all these albums in the old like 60s 70s style um he has a new album that's like all instrumentals and it's and the style is called library music which is a style of music that people would produce in the 60s and 70s and the sole purpose was they would write all these instrumental songs to use in movies and tv shows Oh, cool. And like for game shows, they were just like write a bunch of music and people could like pick and choose what they wanted for like their various shows. And they're always like just anyway, but yeah, so this isn't one of those, but um, so Matt Barry's uh, man of doom, which is just a fantastic, um, I had to pick something where he synced because he has such a great voice. Um, but I'm just like, like, <laughs> like I, I was like, Oh, Matt Barry, I'm like, this will be funny. You know, like a comedy kind of like, no, he's like taking it serious. Um,
1: I, I love that it's his face too. Like the album covers his face and I just see uh, Laszlo when I look yeah, at it. So yeah. I just like expect like,
5: yeah, yeah. You expect it's going to be like, it's like, no, he's like, I mean, it's really good. It's a real good song. So, so sort of the opposite direction of the H John Benjamin album. Yes, exactly. Oh my God,
1: <laughs> he, Dude, he was in, I saw a commercial with him the other day where he was a pigeon and it yeah. is and he, he, he literally oh, plays a cross between Archer and Bob from Bob's Burgers <laughs> as this pigeon for this commercial. And I'm watching this commercial, I'm like, this is fantastic. Like I, I hate commercials, but I love this because it is H. John Benjamin.
5: I just like when they have him on talk shows and they're like, Can you do the voices for us? He's like, All right, he's like, Let me do Bob for you. He's like, Okay, now I'll do Archer. It's his <laughs> voice. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, um, Charles, what do you got for me? Um, I am
3: going to pick uh, Remind Me by Patrice Russian. I put it in chat. I feel like if nobody puts
0: early 90s slash 80s R&B on a playlist, it's got to be me because nobody else is going to do it. So there you go.
1: Uh, I'm going to grab the remastered version. Is that cool? Sure. That's what I got. Yep.
6: Sweet, sweet. Mr. Admiral Nips, what do you got for me? Uh, we're going to go with Wisconsin's own Bon Iver, uh, Skinny Love.
0: Okay, cool. Got it. Um, all right. And then uh, I'm going to go with uh, Down
1: Rodeo by our good old friends, Rage Against the Machine it uh, came on the other day and heard in a while and uh, it's, it's just a solid song. It's a really great, well put together song. So,
0: yeah. Excited. Sweet. Um, that puts us at 356 songs, 22 hours and five minutes. Down there is this?
1: two hours
6: left. Day four this is coming day to an four. end.
1: Wow. Yep. Wow. Um cool. Well, uh hey, last week was officially our three hundred and fiftieth episode. So although this is says three forty three with all the bonus episodes and things that we've done, apparently seven. Or no, eight, right? right? Because yeah, this is one. Uh yeah, so
6: it's three fifty. So uh that's crazy. Um Moira well, found out that uh we have our own IMDb page. Yeah.
5: Yeah. yeah. Are, you have an IMDb page? We <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. do. <Apparently>. Holy shit. <laughs> Hell yeah. Podcast That's is in color. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yep. Hell yeah. Can uh, I add that to my existing IMDb credits? I hope so. <laughs> you should be able to, do, yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. I got a sound credit from a indie movie that was... Hell yeah! Uh, hell, yeah, oh, yeah from I'm like,
4: as well, <laughs> dude. Yeah, no,
3: I, I, I did, I did sound for this indie movie in like 2008. Someone I'm i technically. i like, hell yeah!
1: That's cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> as well, uh, we would like to thank everyone who has been supporting the show. Um, our our new shop is live. Uh, we had another sale, so I reintroduced the Grumpy Raider T-shirt into the mix. Uh I think until shit, what is it? Um uh, until the 20th, so five more days from right now. Uh $15 t shirts and everything is on sale. So you can't beat a $15 t shirt. And I think that's like three different ones. I think it's like the basic, the tri blend, and something else. I don't know. Uh, but it's cool. Thank you for everyone that uh supported us and checked out the new shop, and uh we'll keep Posting things as, uh, sales happen, uh, to kind of promote saving money. Uh, we have a Discord. Join us. We're doing, uh, another round of PvP League, probably, uh, sometime in March. Hey,
6: we got the playoffs next week to end the season.
1: Good
6: yep. night. Uh-
3: um, I, I want in next time, by the way. I didn't know Sweet. about it until it was already on. But, um, I, well, you talk talking about Merge, I had a little bit of an idea. Maybe this yeah. would be better off camera, but, um,
1: okay, you yeah. know, like,
3: you know, like these Xbox Elite controllers—they had these little um thumbstick extenders. Oh, yeah, yeah. What if they made these? But well, it was official PTP merchandise. It was an actual po- little potato
1: on top of here. <laughs> that would be <laughs> amazing. Like we need control freaks to make little potato covers to put on exactly. On the, yeah, dude, control freaks hit me up. I'm just saying.
6: Hey, Between that, Mark asking if we had a uh, PTP themed uh, lifting straps. <laughs> <laughs> i was kind of sad about the
1: hats hopefully they'll roll out the hats to a bigger audience because they did have hats for a little bit and i would love i i just want so bad to make ptp hats just for myself um so yeah oh and we do have we we do have a well we haven't said anything but there's a secret project in the works too so i don't know when that's going to happen but it's happening i don't know when we're going to get
3: it may or may not be a ptp themed ball trimmers.
1: It is, uh, actually, uh, PTP banana hammocks. Um, so yeah. So get, get your workout, get your workouts in because, uh, everyone's going to be sporting them this summer. Ooh, imagine
3: the ghost and Nessie one. It'd be like (laughs) the Nessie, like coming up and then like a little ghost right on top. You know what I mean?
1: Mm, mm -hmm. (laughs) The ghost and Nessie one actually comes with a butt plug.
5: Um, Like the ghost is on the back of it. Nessie just kind of curls around. Nessie <laughs> yeah, just wraps underneath the chain <laughs> like Yeah, it yeah. kind of wraps around. <laughs>
0: Damn
5: it. <laughs> I <think they> just, <laughs> just hold on to the back.
0: Like, you know. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, just, we,
1: just, we were like so close to having such a like, great show and just yeah, like down. Yeah. Off, we sh- we should have ended cliff. it, bro. I know, yeah, dude. We, I just... we,
3: we, we didn't do what Kurt Cobain could do. You know what I mean? I He's know. Like, no, that's it. Yeah. It's a good show. Yeah, we're done. Like, no, yep. uh, we had to yeah. just fucking now, run this fucker into the ground, dude. Hell yeah. <laughs> now we do encores here. <laughs>
5: bad ones. <wugs>. Bad,
3: bad <laughs> encores.
5: <laughs> dude, it has, on IMDb, it has all the episodes with the names. Is it really? I need to go look yeah. at this. And you can I- add a plot oh, yeah. to each one. You can click on it and <laughs> add the plot of what happened. One He's of these days,
6: we're going to need to have a plot to one of our shows.
3: This is the episode where we release Rob's phone number. This is the episode where we release his address.
5: You oh, have to create an IMDB account to edit the plot. Alright, we'll have to do that. Time. We'd, have to add some, we'd have to add some plot points to some of these episodes. This is
3: the re-recording version of the Real the Jewels episode. That- <laughs> <laughs>
5: There's a lot of episodes
3: Matt.
5: <laughs> yeah. it is hot pot cat up a tree featuring <laughs> adventure club podcast. Sorry, <laughs> like, Uh, well
0: anyway, everyone
1: right. thank you for listening and uh, we <laughs> hope that you enjoyed this episode and uh, support the band.
4: Hell yeah.